positive mental training, change of vocabulary. We want to change the things that we see. Change what you hear. When you change your mindset, everything changes. Hello and welcome back to Mindset with Coach Joe. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Coach Joe, teacher, student, mentor, attorney, entrepreneur, and the father of four girls. Today, we're very fortunate to have the opportunity for my daughter. My oldest daughter is going to be here. We're going to be interviewing her. Her name is Brianna. She is my firstborn child. You've already listened to my secondborn child, Caitlin, about a month ago, and she spoke about what do you want to feel like today? And if you want, you can go back and check that podcast. It's up on our website at pti.coach. Everything is up there, so you can always go back and check all these things out. During this year, I'm going to have more interviews with some former student-athletes I coached and mentored along the way, so you can get kind of a perspective of their life, the challenges that they went through. I think these interviews at these types of athletes is going to provide some great perspective of their challenges, their successes, their defeats, how they dealt with them, and it gives you an opportunity to kind of really humanize the athlete that's speaking and humanize the interview to hopefully understand some of the exercises they went through and how they're going to be able to help you. So a little bit about Brianna. She started our Blue Fire softball program as a little eight-year-old, grew that program into a, an excellent organically approached travel organization that really instilled academics, work ethic, and a drive to be a very best. Brianna led some great teams over the years. She actually still enjoys a friendship with at least five of those core girls from her team. I see them at my house a lot. She went to St. Dominic High School up in Oyster Bay, a small Catholic high school, and then attended Rhodes College very far away in Memphis, Tennessee, to play softball under Coach Luke Wagner. She played there for four years as the only player from New York, let alone the Northeast, on that team. She was a young 17-year-old kid far away from home playing the sport she loved. She earned a degree in neuroscience, believe it or not, she's a lot smarter than her father is, and graduated with honors, and now attends Wake Forest Medical School. She played all four years at Rhodes while managing that high academic standard, broke several pitching records at Rhodes, including most appearances in a season. At Rhodes, she went through different challenges that she's going to talk about. She managed her academics and softball, but as a high-performance person, she continued to push herself. And while at Rhodes, which they instill and so do we, she was the president of Love Your Melon program, which is a non-for-profit organization that works with St. Jude's Children's Hospital, raising money through the sale of beautiful knit hats. We always encourage our children to live a life of service and gratitude, so all my children try and embark on that. And Brianna was really the start of that, always engaged in a lot of different service-oriented things. So Brianna, you're here. Uh, I know that's a little bit about some of your accolades and stuff like that, but thank you very much for being with us, taking the time from your busy schedule, so to speak. I know that you're currently studying. I see you at the kitchen table. She's home with us in New York, studying 10 to 12 hours a day and back to Wake Forest in a couple of days. So thank you very much for being here. I appreciate you coming down here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I do listen to the podcast still just to get a little refresher of my mental training. And I really enjoyed Caitlin's podcast the other day. She is amazing and so into nutrition and health and wellness. I even learn a lot from her. Just everyday food choices and healthy habits for the mind and everything. So yeah, really excited to be here. Great, great. So uh, so you're, you're currently studying, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about your studying? I am. I'm taking uh, the step one boards exam at the end of January, which is basically just an exam on the first two years of med school. And then I 
we'll start my clinicals in February. Okay, great. So, Brianna, I give you numerous stories as your coach over the years. I have watched you battle through some high-pressure situations. I saw you fail. I saw you succeed. And I want to talk to you about some of your experiences as uh, an athlete. Um, you know, we'll talk about softball, and maybe you can share some of those failure situations, what your mindset was during those failure situations, and then talk to us about some of your successful situations and how kind of you changed your mindset. Sure. So first, let me just say that a lot of the demeanors from the coaches that I've had have really helped my mental training journey throughout the years. I mean, you were my first coach and you were always so level headed with us. Like you got this, you can do this no matter what kind of situation you're put in, you're prepared for it. And that was really, really helpful for all of us, I think. And then when I went to Rhodes, I kind of had the same calm demeanor with my coach, Coach Luke Wagner. He kind of never faltered, did not show that he was nervous or angry at us during the game. He was kind of like very quiet, letting us do our thing and not getting too emotional to make us get emotional. So I think that was a really important part of it as well. As a player, I think it helped me a lot because I did play for coaches who did not have that demeanor. And especially being a young player, I think when a coach is overly emotional during the game... um, It kind of gets the player nervous, the player a little bit fearful, and that's not having a super strong mindset. So I think it's really important to just for all the coaches to just stay calm and encourage their players to keep a level head and a positive mindset throughout the whole game. I tell you, as a coach, sometimes that is a challenge with you student athletes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, during practice, uh, you know, some of our practices were intense during the games, I thought that it was just better to kind of let you guys do your thing. So I think what you're telling us is you do try to look at your coaches and you feed off what's going on on the sidelines. Is that the message you're trying to give us? Yeah. I mean, the coach is the leader of the team, aside from the captains. And I feel like the rest of the team kind of looks at them to how are we going to respond to the situation? So having a leader that is calm and collected and seeming like they believe we're going to win this game no matter what is going on and we are going to succeed, that is going to make everybody else believe we're going to succeed. So I think that's a really important part. Interesting. Interesting. So I'm sure over the years you, you've obviously played for different coaches. And are you saying that if a coach was um, you know, too emotional, you would feed off that emotion? What would it do with your mind? Would it, would it kind of cause some scrambled eggs? Can you explain some of the things that you went through from a situation where maybe a coach was a little bit uh, you know, more emotional than you wanted them to be. Right. Um, so I, I did have a few coaches both ways. Um, particularly, there would be some times where I would get in a jam and the pitching coach would come out and try to calm us down, any of the pitchers. And if you could kind of see them faltering and their facial expressions a little bit nervous and a little bit flustered, but trying to say it's going to be okay, that kind of was a little contagious. So I started to get nervous and a little worked up. And even though you try to keep your mind calm, sometimes when the energy is not there, it just doesn't happen the way you want it to. But I did <laughs> I did have a really, really great pitching coach my junior year at Rhodes. Her name was Desiree Ibarra. She pitched at Southern California, and she was always so level-headed. She came out and said, this is no problem even though there could have been bases loaded with no outs. (laughs) We are in a total jam. (laughs) And she would come out and say, it's okay. 
you throw a couple bad pitches. We're not going to throw any more bad pitches. We're good pitchers. And it's going to be totally, totally fine. And she would not falter. She would be completely stone. And it made me so strong mentally because I was like, she is my rock. I am going to get through this because she's giving me that positive attitude and the calm demeanor for me to get through the rest of the sitting. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, sometimes I walk out to the mound and I do look up at the sky and for those, you know, that 15 seconds that I have to walk and talk to a pitcher or just talk to the players, I am thinking of the words to say. So I guess you're telling me as a coach and any of the coaches that are listening to us, uh, try to remain calm uh, during that approach with our players and, uh, and, and provide some positive feedback instead of, you know, something negative. Right. I think especially females respond to that kind of feedback much better. Okay. Interesting. Good, good. So, so let me ask you, give me an example in high school or even in college of, you know, how you changed your mindset. I know you have a lot of different stories. You and I could go through this for hours. Maybe you can give us an example of a negative mindset. What went through your mind and how that translated into your performance? Okay. So I definitely have a few stories. (laughs) of some negative mindsets that I've had because it is really, really difficult, no matter how much mental training you have in the beginning, to calm your mind all the time. It's a learning process and you get better and better at it as you go. So there were definitely times where I kind of had a negative mindset where maybe I had a girl three and two. I thought I threw a really great pitch. The umpire called it a ball. The girl walks. Maybe another girl hit a grounder and somebody made an error. So there's two runners on base, and I am thinking to myself, well, if they score, it's not really my fault. Mm. That is an awful, awful mindset to have. Interesting. Yes. So I feel like I was always trying to get the next girl out, but it's always creeping in the back of your mind. Hmm, not really my fault. Awful. Not good for your team. Not good for you. Not good to grow yourself as a player. So I started thinking to myself, when two runners were on base, they were on second and third. So wait, so you're admitting to us <laughs> you had that negative mindset if you walked. And, and so, so I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I appreciate your honesty. I think the listeners do as well. So sometimes that went through your mind. Yes. I mean, you can't be perfect all the time. You know, the more you do the mental training, the easier it's going to be to make yourself mm-hmm. have a positive mindset. But There were definitely more times the more I was put into these situations that I said, I don't care what just happened. These girls are not scoring. And Mm -hmm. that was all that was in my head. And I would visualize the next pitch and say, I am going to spin this ball up and in and she is going to pop up right now. And more often than not, my body was able to replicate what I was thinking about in my mind. That's interesting. I know you and I were talking before about this, and you said you learned about this actually as a neuroscience major. Um, so ironically, I and, and you know, for our listeners, even though I'm a mental training coach, I did not persuade you to pursue a career in neuroscience, right? No, but okay. I, I was more interested in it after having a lot of mental training <laughs> as a child. Okay. Um, so, so can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from a molecular level on how neuroscience and how the brain works and how the body then responds 
to what we feed our mind. Right. So it was really interesting because it kind of solidified everything that we'd been taught as kids, like muscle memory, visualization, everything that we were learning in mental training. I kind of learned the science behind it when I took a bunch of cognitive neuroscience classes. So we did learn specifically that when you visualize to like very fine detail what you want your body to do, your brain is so powerful that it can replicate that. But you have to totally believe, you have to think to yourself, I am going to spin this ball, look in your mind at your body's position, what the perfect spot you need to be in, and watch the ball land in the catcher's glove exactly where you want it in your mind. And you are able to do that. Wow. So it's about visualizing it first, then having that belief in that visualization, right? Yes. We actually learned that this is kind of how tennis players practice at first. They don't even use a ball. And you've kind of told us a lot of this before. (laughs) And my teacher had the same exact story for us. They just visualized the perfect swing and then they would put the ball in and it would be wonderful every time. Yeah. I remember I, I, I read about that and I studied that. And sometimes I even say it to the players. I say, we're going to, you know, do some practicing without even using the bat. <clears throat> Actually, I went to training right now. This is what we did recently. We were just, you know, catching balls at contact. And they were like, well, when are we going to hit the ball? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it really wasn't about that. It was about that visualization process first. Right. So... So you're telling us that you even studied this from an academic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking to my listeners from a practical perspective. You studied it in neuroscience from an academic perspective, and you experienced it as a player. Right. And it definitely really helped me learning about it in school because you always, you have to buy in and it's easy to buy in as a kid. Maybe when you get older, some people are like, oh, I'm not sure if I totally believe this. Learning about it, I was like, oh, my God, this is totally hard science research that they're telling me this is how powerful the brain is if you're able to buy into it. I love it. So uh, so you, you learned it from that academic perspective. So let's talk about needs and belief. Uh, I think it's a good segue. I remember often looking at you on the mound, be bases loaded. You have the three, four, five hitter up. And I would say to myself, oh, my God, I don't know how she's getting out of it. And then you'd get out of it. You know, there were other times when you got yourself into a gym and you didn't get out of it. And you and I would then talk about later on, hey, what was going through your mind? And you would tell me, this went through my mind or this went through my mind. So can you explain some of the vocabulary you used in your head and how that vocabulary then translated in a positive way and show us how some of the bad vocabulary translated in a, in a negative way? Yes. Okay. I, I definitely remember these stories that we used to talk about. I remember in the situations that I did not get out of, there were bases loaded and I gave up a double or whatever happened. You know, they scored a run. I would be telling myself in that moment, you need to get this girl out. I hope I get this girl out. Kind of like a desperation mindset. Like, oh my God, the world is going to end. I really, really need this right now. As opposed to, I will get this girl out. There is not a doubt in my mind that she will pop up or she will strike out. 
my infielders will field the grounder and get a double play. Interesting. It, yeah, it was it was definitely like a desperation mindset versus I'm in control mindset. Ah. So in the desperation mindset, the vocabulary you used, which is one of the core foundation things we talk about is change of vocabulary. You are using words, I need to do this. I hope to do this. And that would create more of a pressure situation for you. Maybe you didn't perform the way you wanted to. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I will do this. This girl will get out. There's not a doubt in my mind. I remember a scenario, there was second and third and there was nobody out and uh, we and you got out of the inning and I remember talking about it later on with you. I remember earlier in the game, the, the, the team scored and then it happened again and then they didn't score. And I said to you, you know, what happened? And you said to me, I looked at the girl at second base and I looked at the girl at third and I said, you're not scoring. Yes. <laughs> so you kind of fed your mind with what you we're going to then have your performance happen. Yes. And that kind of worked for me. The, I don't care what you just did. The next girl is not going to do that. So it was kind of, um, remember you used to tell us like, you need to have a short memory. If that girl hits a double, that next girl, I don't, I don't even care about the double. It was one bad pitch. And this next girl is not getting on. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we, you know, we play a, a sport of, uh, you know, have to have a very short memory in softball and we cannot allow, you know, that prior event to then uh, translate into what we currently have to do. Mm-hmm. I was just to say, um, I, I think I've even said it to you, it's it's not the home run that you gave up, it's the batter you face after you, home, you give up the home run, which is the most important batter you're going to face. Exactly. And I always knew the batter after the home run, if she got a base hit, Mm. Or if she got on, my mind was not in there. It was not there anymore. Train's coming off the track. I was like, all right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Get me out of here, coach. <laughs> Reel me in. And there, there are just some bad days like that. You can't be perfect all the time. You can't have a, an absolutely perfect mindset right. that's going to make you succeed every single time. But the more you are put in those pressure situations, the easier it is to calm your mind. And the more often you kind of get that stone face nothing's getting past me attitude. So I, I, li- I like that you brought that up. We, we say on our podcast that mental training is not a switch. Right. Right. You, you, you can't just walk into a room, turn on the lights, turn the lo- lights off. I have a really strong mindset or no, I don't have a strong mindset. And we say that it starts when you open your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life. And we go through challenges. It's not perfect all the time, right? Sometimes you have a negative mindset, mm-hmm. but you want to translate that into a positive mindset more often than not. Right. And in the beginning, it is definitely a struggle because you are trying to give yourself positive vocabulary. You're trying to say, it's okay. I'm going to get this hit. I'm going to get this girl out. But you're still scared on the inside. Mm-hmm. But the more times you get put in a situation, the less scared you get and the more effective that positive vocabulary you're giving yourself becomes. So so you think that was a product of some of the practices we went through where you would be oh, so yes. mad at me <laughs> during practice when I would put you through the simulation <laughs> training and we would get in the car and you would say, that was a strike. Why did you call it a ball? Oh, or- yes. Oh, that every single practice this man put us through, <laughs> there was a competition every single time, whether it was we're going to get in teams of three and you're going to hit off me. And whoever gets the most runs <laughs> wins. And it's subjective because there was not many people playing the field because we were in 
teams mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, that's a hit. That's not a hit. And we would be screaming, that was absolutely a hit. But it definitely, because of all the competitions and because of all the pressure situations, like, oh, we're one run behind this next team. And my friend Katie just got a double. She's on second. There's two outs. I need to get her in right now. The more times we were put in that situation, when it happened in the game, it was like second nature to us because we had done it so many times. Yeah. That's and a, yeah. that's how you grow your positive mindset when you're in situations like that in practice or in scrimmages or in games. So it's great for our listeners to hear that because I want them to understand that you know the, the they should be putting themselves into these simulation techniques and these exercises and they want to fail, they want to succeed, they want to fail, they want to succeed because over time, effectively, what's happening is the mind is getting stronger and we're believing and we're building that belief system in the mind. Yes, and you start remembering what you were thinking during the failures and what you were thinking during the successes and it starts to line up. Oh, I, I had this mindset more often than not when I failed. And I had this mindset more often than not when I succeeded. And you start adapting and just starting to think in the mindset that you used when you were succeeding. Mm -hmm. So I I remember a couple of games I'm going to talk about uh, quickly. We'll give a couple of quick examples because in in my opinion, there was some, some, you know, ones for the record books. I remember playing in a game, it was the fourth game of the day in the travel tournament. Your team was down eight to one in the seventh inning. Oh, yeah. You remember that? I do remember that. I think everybody on the team remembers that game. <laughs> so so what happened? When did you and or the team start to believe that there was a probability of success being down eight to one in the seventh inning? Well, I don't know if you remember, but You and Coach Ray were trying every tactic in the book to try to motivate us, and we were so tired and so mad at you because you didn't tell us we had four games, and you were trying to tell us, the girls are 12 years old, you're losing to (laughs) 12-year-olds, and nothing, nothing was working. The making us mad wasn't working, the yelling at us wasn't working, and you guys brought us in, and you said, the trees are moving, the spirit gods are here, and we need to get we need to get up right now and the whole team was like there is one inning left if we don't give it all we have today we are going to be so mad at ourselves tomorrow so we started jumping and we started chanting and then ashley got our first our leadoff batter got on base and then that was it i think to my knowledge i don't think that anybody got out that inning and then they stopped the game. Yeah, I think the umpire said it was enough. We sc- you scored like 12, 13 we runs. We were past the time limit because we had scored 12 or 13 runs in that one <laughs> inning because everybody just kept feeding off each other. And we were the most energized we'd ever been because you guys in that inning switched to such a positive and calm mindset. And I think that that was really, really helpful for us. Interesting. Well, I got to thank Derek Jeter for that because, uh, you know, he's the one who kind of talked about spirit gods in Yankee Stadium I mean, it was when the crazy, spirits come out in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so I, I was calling on the spirits that day. So uh, so I'm happy it worked and I'm happy you guys have a great memory. I do remember the game. It was definitely exciting. Um, and I remember coaching with Coach Ray. I remember another big one that you guys had and, and uh, Rhodes had never beaten Berry College, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember doing some mental training with your team mm-hmm. for two weeks before, and we were going through different scenarios and stuff like that. And, and if you remember, you, your center fielder, she wasn't really buying in at the time. 
And then she wanted to painting before a- that. Yes. So and then she hit that. That two-run was homer. really really great because the mental training the week before was when we talked about having a short memory and you mm. don't care what happened in the app at before or the game before or this weekend or whatever. And Kirsten, my center fielder, we, it was 1-1 going into the bottom of the seventh inning. And we had not beaten this team in I don't know how many years. It had been very, very long. They had dominated the conference for years and years. And Kirsten had gone 0 for 7 during the weekend. And she said, that was the first time that I turned it off. And I said, I am not going to let any of these at-bats bother me. This is a new at-bat. And I have a new opportunity right now. And she hit a home run and we won the game. I know. I remember her telling the story to the team and she told me. It was incredible. It was incredible. It was a great win. It was the first time you guys uh, beaten Barry. You shocked them. I think you pitched that game. I did. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. But yeah, that's that's a great example to um, explain to our listeners that instead of focusing on those you know seven prior at-bats that she had and those seven at-bats... Probably she was fo- on the third at bat. She was mad about the first two. Mm-hmm. And on the fifth at bat, she was mad about the first four. Right. It's like a vicious negative cycle. Yeah. So for her, that negative cycle went on and on, and then she decided on her own, basically as a result of different mental training and that that we were doing. It's a new at bat. It's a new opportunity. She wasn't going to let the prior seven at bats affect this at bat. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, she went one for eight on the weekend or on the day, and she was the hero. Nobody's going to remember the other seven. <laughs> They're only going to remember that she won the game. That's great. That's great. I love it. That's a great, great, uh, great rap. Well, there you have it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, students, everyone who's uh, listening to us. I really, really appreciate it. In the mind of a student athlete, currently in medical school studying to be a doctor i love how you played the sport you loved excelled at your academics and now you're here to speak to some of our listeners so i uh, really appreciate it i have a couple quick questions for you brian These are very very uh, intellectual questions so favorite starburst color oh yellow yankees or mets yankees jets or giants mm, they're both kind of bad <laughs> jets <laughs> rangers or islanders islanders Favorite movie? Oh, I maybe Miracle. Ah, Miracle. Oh yeah, Good that's got to be it. Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> All right, well that's a wrap. Starburst color is yellow. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing some of those insights. I think this will really help some of our listeners and our student athletes. Hopefully they'll remember some of the things you said. Study hard and best of luck at Wake Forest. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's a wrap, everyone. Remember, follow us on Instagram. Give us a like at Coach Joe M. If you have any questions, you can email us at joe at pti.coach where the body meets the mind.